Would you guys stand up because I know you want to show off your haircuts. And, and so, uh, so we had about 10 of them decide to buzz their heads. So um, uh, they, they wanted to join Dr. Ray Self in, in that, that effort. And so, uh, you know, thank you guys. You can sit down. So um, that, that's, that's called team. You know, today is uh, the day many of us call, uh, talk about team. It's, it's many times we talk about the Super Bowl and this incredible team type stuff that, uh, that God is, is doing. And I wanted to say this till later, but I'll go ahead and jump into it a little bit now. You know, um, a team, a Super Bowl team, is the best of the best. These are the people that have worked close together. Do they have the best superstars? Maybe not. But they work the best as a team. They're each bringing their gifts. They're each bringing how they're wired. They each bring their talents. They each bring their hard work ethic to get to where they are. And together, they did something absolutely remarkable. And if you've ever played a team sport, and I'm just going to use football, but if you ever have ever played a team sport, you count on your buddies to be there in case you goof up on something. And if you don't do your part, then if you don't block that person, they get to your quarterback. If you don't catch that pass, you don't get the first down and get four more downs. It's a team effort. And in a way, a church is a lot like that. And we're going to talk about, talk about that today because God made an amazing Super Bowl team um, in the church and so at stake the difference in our team is that life and death are at stake eternal life and death are at stake eternal um, walking with him is at stake real love is at stake being part of something bigger than you can fully imagine is really at stake let's pray oh father god thank you so much for letting us engage with you today oh lord the encounter was sweet you've opened our mind a little bit more through some of the lyrics that we were singing you opened our mind by what your holy spirit was poking us about and father we are so grateful for your intervention in our life we are so needy of that lord sometimes we think that we don't need much but lord when we stop and lay our head on our pillow we know that we aren't all of that and that we really need you. And so, Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you want to show us what the real Super Bowl is all about and how you have chosen us as this group called your church to be a part of something that you call critical. And so, Lord, we just want to label it like you label it. We want to be all in to focusing on what you have for us in our Life on earth, oh God, we are thankful for gathering us together today. And we just, um, we look forward to what you want to speak to us. Open our hearts that we might actually hear you. Open our minds that we might actually engage with you in our thinking. And we bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, today is going to be a really neat day. We have a kind of a two-part uh, um, next two weeks we're going to be talking about God's Super Bowl team his his church uh, today will be the focus of that 
And uh, but before we get into that, we have the distinct honor of setting in Stephen Grubb as a new deacon at Freedom Fellowship Church. He just got to our church 25 years ago, um, but a uh, quarter of a century. Man, that must mean you're old, dude. But uh, before I bring Steve and Amy up here um, and have the elders join me for setting him into the office of deacon at Freedom, I want to tell you a little bit about how freedom is structured. You may wonder, well, how is this church structured? And, and uh, many of you are newer with us, and so we all come from different places, different walks, different denominations, or no denomination, and we don't, everything's a little different on how churches are structured. We tried to structure our church the, the closest we can see it was done in the New Testament, that first century church. And so we have three overseers of our church that are not here in this uh, building. Uh, we have Pastor Keith Tusi, who is the uh, leader of the Network of Related Pastors, which we are a part of. Um, Pastor Keith is uh, an amazing God, and he, a guy, and God, whoo, a uh, guy, and, um, you know, he, we, we gain much from our interaction with him in our church. Um, I mentioned the NRP, Network of Related Pastors. It is not a denomination. It is an affiliation of uh, churches and pastors, primarily east of the Mississippi, 60 to 70 churches that we interact with. And um, he is a great uh, investor in our church. Um, the next one is Pastor Joe Warner, who is the uh, founding pastor of Freedom Fellowship for 28 years. Um, we have sent him out. He is now serving, um, pastoring pastors throughout the nation and the world. And he is a great man of God, and you will get a chance to hear him in just a couple weeks on February 26th. He'll be back here with our church. Our third overseer is Pastor Tony Nardella, and he is the... Um, uh, the leader, the founder, the president of Heart of Titus Ministries, which is a worldwide missions organization. And um, so he sends about 30 teams around the world every year, um, the whole planet, and amazing um, friend of our church and um, former elder of our, in our church until we sent him out to Claremont to plant a church there. He has since turned it over to one of his elders, and he's back out in, uh, around the planet. Those are our three overseers. And even though I mentioned that um, Freedom is a part of the network of related pastors, uh, Freedom Fellowship is an autonomous church, and it is uh, overseen, it is uh, uh, dealt with on the daily affairs of the church, everything about it, by the elders of the church. And so the elders of the church are Stan Rodriguez, um, Adam Shaw, Matt Buchek, and me as the, uh, the senior pastor here. And um, our next level of uh, people in the church are deacons. And um, in case you don't know, there's really only three classes of people uh, noted in the church um, in, in, in the New Testament, and that is the saints, that's us, I know that's a scary word, isn't it? But the saints, the people who have believed in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, um, the deacons, 
and the elders. Those are the three categories of people. So the deacons are people that are set in place to serve you, the church, on the many needs that we have. And our deacons, we have Vernon Hargrave is Vernon. There's Verna, Vernon and Brenda next to him. Hello. Um, Vernon is in charge of all the facilities of the church. And he and Brenda together work on our food pantry and uh, where we have the privilege every week of serving between 100 and 150 um, families in need, primarily Venezuelan. Um, and so we uh, really appreciate what, what all y'all do for our church. Um, the second one is George Kern. Is George in the room here? George right there. Um, George Kern oversees our missions of our church, which is the very backbone of who we are as a church. Uh, also the Spanish ministry and the homeless ministry. And so he is very active in um, uh, what you hear on the third Sunday of each month, telling you about the various eight missions that we regularly uh, support. And then we have Linda Thompson. Linda's over here. Wow, they were all three in the middle back row. How about that? Uh, Linda Thompson is our, uh, our deaconess over our care ministry. She makes sure that when she hears that you have a need, she is caring for your needs. She's putting together, she has a team put together, so either she herself or one member of her team is going to try and help you know what to do and pray for you and care for you. And she's also our church administrator, so we're um, glad to have her as part of that team. So everybody comes from this different backgrounds uh, of, of where you are on viewing what a deacon is. And uh, so I just want to try and share with you just a little brief bit on what a deacon is. In the New Testament, uh, it, it is very clearly known as a servant of people or uh, ministers. And we see this in Philippians 1, we see it in 1 Timothy 3, and the heart of a deacon is someone who serves or ministers or cares for the local church. And so as God was growing that church in those early days that we see in Acts, it became apparent that some things were slipping by. There's so much to do in a church. And some things weren't being done with excellence and care. And for example, what was really happening was there were, there were widows not being taken care of because there was so much to do. And so uh, it became apparent to those apostles, those, those elders of the early days, that we can't do it all. And so they, they chose um, people to serve the church, to make sure that the things of church and the people of church were taken care of. And we see that in Acts 6, verses 1 through 7, exactly what was happening so that those elders would be freed up to spend their time focusing on praying and the Word of God, the ministry of the Word. And that, that was what the reason that we brought deacons into the mix in, um, in the early church. Uh, then, as far as the qualifications of what it takes to be a deacon, we, we see it in 1 Timothy 3, verses 8 through 11. I'm just going to read this to you brief, briefly and not comment, but let you know what the, uh, the office of the deacon is about. Deacons, likewise, must be men of dignity, not double-tongued, saying one thing, saying something else, 
or addicted to much wine or fond of sword gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must have first been tested and then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. That doesn't mean that they are sinless. It means they're beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. And so the, we have um, men and women as deacon and deaconesses in this church. The elders have confidence that Stephen Grubb meets these qualifications and has been proven over many years of service to this church. Um, all of you that have been around a long time know that Stephen and, and Amy have been all in for Freedom Fellowship. And we're very happy uh, to welcome as our new deacon, Stephen Grubb. And so Stephen and your wonderful wife, Amy, if you'll come up right now. Elders, if you'll come up right now. You okay? Absolutely. Amy, you okay? Yeah. Amy loves standing in front of people. She, <laughs> a, Amy is the one who makes lots of things happen behind the scenes, but standing up here, not really her necessarily her 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 favorite uh, her her favorite thing. But uh, he says that's his job. Uh, Amy says that's his job. But uh, we're we're glad to have uh, glad to have you as a new deacon. And I'm going to represent the elders and pray. Uh, for Stephen, and I just encourage you just to extend your hand and let's pray for him at this time. Father God, I thank you that you have chosen your son Stephen to step into this new uh, season of being a deacon, an, a recognized office within the church as you did, as you created it, Almighty God. And so we lift up your son Stephen and we say, Father, that we receive him fully into the position that you have set him into, that you have appointed him to be. And so, Father, I thank you. I ask your blessing upon him as he serves the people of freedom. Yes. Father, we say that he is your son, he is your man, he is your servant, he is your minister. And so we recognize him, and as a church we receive him in that fashion from this point forward. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Um, Pastor Stan's going to read uh, something that the elders have all signed. Go ahead. Certificate of Ordination of Stephen Grubb. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, uh, uh, Stan is Stephen's father-in-law. Very much so. This is to certify that Stephen Grubb, having proved his divine gift and calling to the diaconate ministry of Jesus Christ and having consecrated himself to this calling according to the word of God, and by the standards prescribed by this church, has been recognized as a deacon by the laying on of hands and prayers of these witnesses and his church in his church. And he continues in the faith according to the doctrines of the word of God. And we have all four signed it. So there is your certificate, son. There you go. <laughs> okay. Let me say as a dad. Okay. Let me say as a dad. Good job. Yeah. Amen. All right. Amen. Go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, just quick. I just, uh, when I was sitting over there, I felt like the Lord just gave me that said the words tip of the iceberg. 
he says, you are just beginning. You haven't even reached your full potential. I feel like he just says, I'm going to blow your mind as you seek me. I'm going to blow your mind with all that I'm going to do through you. Maybe. All right. Thank you. I wish Stephen would be a little more energetic, but we'll have to take him as he is. Maybe he'll grow a little more energetic. So, um, uh, initially, uh, Stephen will be working with the men of the church. So a lot of you guys have already um, know that he has been um, working in that capacity, and we've recognized him uh, in in this role. So, um, guys, he's a good one to reach out reach out to. All right, so let's transition to God's Super Bowl clash and the Super Bowl team he assembled over 2,000 years ago. You know, the Bible talks about two historic life-altering events in history that have happened. There is a God-Satan, heaven-and-hell spiritual battle that occurred. The second one is there is a man and sin, or humanity and sin, separation from God battle. Battle one has been decisively won. It's over, and Satan was defeated. God was victorious. Satan lost his place in heaven. For those of you that haven't followed in the scripture, he, he initially had the name Lucifer. He was uh, the worship leader of heaven. He decided to rebel against God, and uh, God said, uh-uh. And so uh, God is the creator, and Satan is the created. And so in that battle, you're going to lose if you're the created. And so he and a third of the angels were kicked out of heaven, and you can read about that in Isaiah 14 and Revelation 12 in Ezekiel 28. And even Jesus talking about, I saw Satan fall like lightning, like body slam, if you're into wrestling, um, in Luke 10, 18. So battle number one between God the Creator and Satan the Created um, was decisively won, is over, and Satan decisively lost that battle. And for eternity is set out of heaven, the presence of the living God. And now God's Super Bowl battle number two, the war is still raging. And in that battle, Satan, who was kicked out of heaven, is still fighting on earth to make sure that humanity stays disconnected from God. And for Christians, if you are connected to God, he wants to at least help you be ineffective in advancing the kingdom of God. That's his goal. So at risk in this battle is the eternal separation from God. And therefore, no adoption into the family of God. That's his, that's his desire that he's going after. And this battle is going to result in heaven, which is the presence of God, and an equally creative place that God created called hell, which is where these rebellious demons are going to go and anybody who does not receive God's provision of salvation through his son. And so I see three main fronts of this battle. You know, we, we, we unfortunately are having a very unfortunate situation in the Ukraine. And there are battle fronts. 
And I'm sure that people like Sean, who served 20 years in the Marines, can tell us about how you deal with battle fronts. But I see three of them. There may be more. The first battlefront is getting more immersed in sin. I see this world getting more and more immersed in sin, which is just a biblical word for violating the standards of God. God has set standards. Here's what my world I created looks like. Here are my standards. If you choose to violate that, the fancy biblical word is sin. But it's violating the standards of God. You see, God is holy and he is pure and he's unique in all the world because he's so pure. And we are not. We have not lived a perfect life. So how can we be in his presence? Well, there's only one way in, and Pastor Matt already explained that. There, there's only one way, and that is that we need Jesus who came and lived a perfect life. We need his substitutionary death where he died for our sins and gave us his righteousness. Substitution. And so our world is getting more immersed in sin, it seems like. The second thing is, the second battlefront I see is, we're having an unusual, blurred and perverted truth situation. What is a man? What is a woman? Maybe you can change to the opposite sex, in which case you're, what you're really saying is, God, you goofed up, but I'm going to make a correction here. So at, at its core, forgetting everything else, at its very core, you're saying, God, you made a mistake, and I'm going to correct it. So that's blurring the lines or perverting. What's the word perversion? The word perversion is twisting the truth. It may be fully, it may be just a little bit. But it's just a little twist, just a little twist. The third battlefront I think that um, we are facing is satanic and worldly distractions. They're two different things, I know, but I'm going to just label, just put them together in the word distractions. Distraction from what God calls the main thing. God would say the main thing is reconnecting my family. The family being together. Being able to join and be adopted into his family. That's his main thing. And we have a few years to get that right. Just a few years on earth. Because most of life is afterlife. But we treat it as a, this is all there is. But really, most of life is afterlife. And so for us to focus on the things of here and now and totally ignore the other stuff probably doesn't make much sense. So that in itself is a great distraction. Let me get you so focused on other things. What are these other things? Politics and wars. You know, as we get into uh, the election cycle, we're going to have lots of stuff to talk about. Am I saying that electing leaders and all that is not important? No, I think you should vote for what you believe is the most biblical platform you can see. Nobody's perfect, but the one that works for you. Research it, make that decision. Natural catastrophes, they get our attention from time to time. Finances, money. Money, or the lack of it, gets our attention. It, it, can, be, it can be our overt focus, if we're not careful. 
And, and yet we have to negotiate many things in life, money and family and all this other stuff. Speaking of family, we can get too immersed in family activities. Oh my goodness. What are you saying? I'm saying that family is good in God and he made it. But if that's your focus and you miss God's main focus, then you're going to go to hell with a wonderful family. You can be the best family person attained, went to every traveling soccer game on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And you may miss God. I'm not, don't misunderstand me, I'm not talking about being in church, I'm talking about connection with God. Social media, I, I, I mean, the statistics are outrageous on how much time people spend in social media. Social media wrong? No, I don't think it is. I think it, it could be a great tool. But it also can be a great distraction if it pulls your, your one and only possession you really own in life is your time. Okay? And when you get on this side of life where your kids are grown, you realize all you really have is your time. So how you spend that time is a big deal. Infotainment, TV, movies... News, the internet. Not bad, just as long as it doesn't eat all that one and only resource you have, your time. Career advancement. Is it good to advance in your career? Absolutely. But is it so all-consuming that you miss the point not only of you connecting to God, but caring for your family and friends to tell them about God? Education, influencers, I love the influencers. They, they, it, you know, all you need to do is have a lot of likes and, and a lot of uh, people subscribe to your channel and suddenly you're somebody of importance. Like, how did that happen? But it did. So God's three-part power vehicle to win this greatest war in history is number one, God sent a son to break the power of sin and Satan. That's his Big deal. He sent his son. And he literally broke the power of sin. Broke the back. We can choose to sin. As Pastor Matt said, we can choose to sin. But the power of it over our life to make us stay connected in that fashion has been broken. Number two. God created his church as the vehicle. It's the vehicle to carry his message. It's the vehicle to carry his authority. It's the vehicle to carry his love. It's the vehicle to carry his ways of how we should live. And number three, God sent his Holy Spirit to empower his church to know the truth and enforce his victorious ways. Isn't that an interesting choice of words? You see... People got connected to Jesus, but Jesus said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait there until my power comes upon you. And so they went, and they all were praying together, 120 of these people, and then all of a sudden the power of God fell on them uh, in this thing called we call Pentecost. And so the power of God was released to be bold witnesses, to lay hands on the sick and people would recover. To have words of wisdom and insight so we can discern the ways of God. 
and not be fooled so much by the enemy. And so, you've all been invited to accept this ticket to God's Super Bowl. You know, we were invited uh, last week to actually have a ticket that we can give away too by Dennis Lappin. Do you remember Romans 10.9 that he was up here sharing about? If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you remember that part? Us opening our mouth and declaring that he is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's the Super Bowl ticket. And God's Super Bowl has no stadium capacity problem. So he's, he's like, come on. And you know, um, I just really want to encourage us um, to have a little love in our heart. What do I mean? It's one thing for me to receive God's great salvation. But I feel like God's wanting to say to me and to you today, would you just have a little love to share my truth with somebody else? Will you just be concerned and care enough about your family members, your business associates, your people you go to school alongside, that you will share what an encounter with me looks like? Because apart from that, our family, our friends, our business associates, our classmates are going to end up not in God's presence when they die, but in that other place he calls hell. The opportunity for people to connect to God's favor is big. It's not just about after we die. Salvation starts right now. Salvation means that I can encounter the favor of God right now. I can know the ways of God. I can hear him. How cool is that? I don't just have to cry out to him, God, if you're up there, here's my concern. Can you help me? But you can actually hear from the Lord. And so he desires that we don't go on this journey alone. And so he created this thing called the church, a gathering of his believers, a gathering of his believers and they're all around the world, but they're, they're people that he gathers together in these things called, these pockets of believers called churches. And he desires to show his goodness. Now, I, wanna, I could talk a whole lot about how that first church was organized and came about, but instead, I want to tell you what it was like. This is what that first church was like in Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. They the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And I'll stop there just for a second. They devoted. They were all in. If you talk about that Super Bowl teams that are gathering, those teammates are all in. I've got you. Nobody's getting through this line, quarterback. I got you. Quarterback, you could trust me. I'm going to hand it off right or I'm going to pass it right. 
I'm not going to try and be tackled in the backfield. I'll throw it away before that. You can trust me, guys. The end saying, you can trust me. Just get it near me. I'm going to get it. You can trust me. So these people devoted, they were all in, to the apostles' teaching, to what the truth of God was all about, and to fellowship. We have a really... Um, we have a, a very, uh, gosh, what's a good word? We, have a, we, we don't have a complete view of this word fellowship. The word fellowship, the implications of the word fellowship in the Greek there was that, there, that we are together in this. We are together in this. And so that Super Bowl team, they are together in going against an adversary to win a championship. And we as a church need to be together. I'm painting a picture of where we can be. In some cases, we're here a little bit. In some cases, we're not. We have areas that we can grow in. Where you know I have your back and I know you have my back. Fellowship. And to the breaking of bread, they love to eat together. Well, we're there. <laughs> we love to eat together. And to prayer. Prayer is that, I mean, can you imagine being married and not really communicating to your spouse and hearing back from them? That makes no sense. So why would we have a one-way conversation with God? Why would we do that? He, he wants to have a two-way thing going, prayer. And we, we just talked about that the, um, among the first few weeks of uh, the year. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. There, there was a sense of awe that we get a chance to participate in, in God encounters. There's a, we can be involved with God and see things that are beyond us happening. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Does that mean they were socialists? No. I believe they were capitalists. There still was a, a, a guy who's working on building furniture and selling it. And if somebody had a need, he helped. And there's somebody else that had a farmland and they farmed it. And, and there's a profit that happens. And somebody had a need and they helped. And if the need got too big, I'd sell the farm and we'll meet the need. Trusting God for the tomorrow. So no, this isn't about... I used to look at this and think, are they into socialism? They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, for, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This was, a, this was not an occasional thing. I got the impression that it's not a Sunday experience. Uh, my desire and heart for freedom is that you don't come to church but that you are the church. That's my desire. Is, where are you going? I'm going to church. No, I hope you're the, you are the church and we're coming together to gather to worship the Lord to hear more about His incredible things that He has for us. Verse 47, we'll stop here. Praising God, thanking God. Is that a regular part of our lives? Lord, thank you. I mean, even as uh, we're talking early, remembering the God interventions that he's done in our life. Remembering when we were about to run out of uh, 
uh, money before we ran out a month and how God came through and somehow you made it. Remembering how God healed your sick child and, and, you, and they're still with you. Remembering some of the goodness of God. Praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This, this describes a church that Jesus birthed that had real love and care for each other. That, notice their priorities and their focus. They were God-oriented and they were um, oriented toward one another. Really caring for one another. They were alert for God interventions. They're actually kind of looking for them. For God to show up. Are you looking for God to show up in your day? Yes. Don't feel condemnation from my words. Because I'm, I'm on the same journey as you. So let's be attentive to what he might want to show us. And then I noticed that they had glad hearts and, and the church grew. Outsiders looked and wanted what they had. Just think about that. Outsiders looked and wanted what they had. They, they wanted to be on that team. They wanted to be on that team. Is freedom that team that people want to be on? If not, why not? Well, it's that pastor's problem. Okay, I got big shoulders. I can take that. But I don't think that's the full answer. I think the full answer is we are the team. How we love one another matters to meeting somebody's needs, but also for other people to see. Somebody did what? They, they came over to your house and helped you when you were sick? They, they brought food when you had a baby? I mean, what? What did they do? What? There was a reason. You know, I want, to, want you to think about this. Sinners were attracted to Jesus. Just think about that for a second. Sinners were attracted to Jesus. Why aren't they attracted to the churches today? Not, to, not just this church. Not just this church. But Why aren't sinners, people that know they're far from God, why aren't they attracted to God's church? Because they were attracted to that first century church. Could it be that Jesus was focused on what those around him had lost? What do you think about that? This person lost their sight. I feel for them. I have compassion for them. I'm going to heal them. This person over here um, didn't know how to put their family back together. This person over here had a son who has physical problems and needed to be healed. This person over here, people were drawn because Jesus saw what they needed. They, they were oppressed by the enemy of life, Satan. Jesus was consumed with what they lost. And sometimes I think the church is consumed with what they do wrong. So, we don't want to be that people because if we were good enough to open up our hearts, we've done a lot wrong too. <laughs> and by the goodness and grace of God, He saved us. And we're in that process of growing more Christ-like. So, let's invite people to meet our Jesus because He's concerned about what they've lost.
And he wants to give them healing and salvation and love because they didn't experience it in their first household, maybe. And he wants to give them kindness because maybe they didn't experience that in their first house. And he wants to give them value and worth because their boss steps on them all the time. That's, Jesus is concerned with what they lost. Let's be concerned with where people are hurting. They're, they're, they're hurting. Let's, you know, it, the answers are found in a person. The answers of life are found in a person and his name is Jesus. The answers are not found in a five-step strategy on how you can be more successful in life. Five-step strategy on how you can raise the best kids. Five-step strategy on developing passive income. None of those things are inherently wrong. I'm just saying that the real answers to the real problems are found in the real Jesus. That's who they're found in. So the actual practices of Jesus, living the way that he has, may God's church at freedom become attractive to unbelievers. Amen. You know, may we at freedom be the folks who care enough and who believe enough and who share enough that these people can find Jesus and get on the journey with us. Freedom is moving forward. Freedom is embracing his call and his power to go and engage people for the advancement of God's kingdom. This is all about God's desires coming to about and he lets us join him in what he's doing. He lets us participate with him. We don't have to watch him. He wants to use us. You've heard it many times. We are his hands and feet. Well, there's a real truth to that. He uses our voice. He uses our hugs. He uses our provision to help somebody. He uses us to express his love and his care. So yeah, today's the Super Bowl. And the world is looking forward to a great clash. And there's going to be a great clash that we need to consider about two worldviews clashing against each other. The world we live in, what they say is important, what they say is urgent, and what they say you should be and do. And then there's the worldview of God. And he invites you to be loved like you've never been loved. Be cared for like you've never been cared for. Be encouraged. Be provided for. Have his favor poured on you. And he wants to use this vehicle called his church. Where we, there are some things we can do collectively that we can't do individually. And what we tend to be, especially with our North American mindset, because I've done a lot of traveling around the world, um, we, we want what we want when we want it, and, we, and then if we want to be included in something else, we will. But there is a blessing that comes with us doing stuff together. 
where we can join corporately. There's a blessing that comes with that. So, may we be God's church who will not be diverted by good things. Every now and then, yeah, there's a sin habit that you're trying to press through. But usually, we get diverted by doing good things. Just not God's best thing. And so we get focused on acceptability. Another fancy word for acceptability is mediocre. The median. The average. When did God want to call you for average? When did he want you to be the average? God wants to just abundantly bless you, use you, empower you for his purposes. And so let's not be diverted in our focus and our time expenditures. Yes, it's this expenditure. Once you spend it, it's gone. And our passion. You're going to see a f great football game today. And you're going to see some people that passionately are going after victory. You're going to see some people that are all in, whatever it takes. You're going to see some people playing through pain when things aren't exactly like they want it to be. You're going to see some people that are covering each other's back at maybe their own hurt. You're going to see that today. Why would we do that in our day-to-day -day life and we miss doing it as a church together? What you guys are doing for the Venezuelan people that are coming here, leaving their home and needing help every week for years. I think we've been at it 14, 15 years. Most recently, it just has taken a turn to be more Venezuelan, but it's just helping people in need. I am so proud of you as a church. Uh, you, you all really care for people. And so I'm just saying, let's extend that care. Let's open our mouths and share where the real answers of life are found. And they're in Jesus. Well, I don't have all the words. I don't have all the scriptures. Okay, say what you know. Here's what I've learned about God. I, to, I told you about my three-foot candle last week, right? Remember, anybody remember that? Okay. Do what you can do. Do what God has exposed so far. That's how I've kind of done what I've done in, in my life. Not saying that I'm anybody great. But I've done what I know to do from Him, and He exposes the next step. Maybe you're just supposed to plant a seed. Maybe you're supposed to water something that somebody else already planted, a grandmother who is praying for that child. I don't know. But do what you can do. Let's not get distracted or overly focused on politics in an election cycle, in money, in infotainment, in social media, in family activities, in sports, in career advancement, or education. These are all good things. But let's don't get overly focused to the point that we miss God's focus. I mean, I, I, I just know so many times he'll, every now and then he'll remind me, he'll say, Pat, what I have in my hands better than what you have in your hand. 
but you've got to put down what's in your hand if you want to pick up what's in my hands. Yeah. And so I've got to put some things down in order to pick up what he has. And so do you. And so do we as a church. So he is calling us to something great. In, in uh, God's Super Bowl, God's Super Clash, winning is defined by rescuing people. These people are stuck in traps of Satan and the pull of the kingdom of darkness. Salvation of people around us needs to be our motivating factor. It needs to be our motivating factor that why we got up tomorrow and to the next day and the next day. The single most important question, please hear me. I don't care if you're a Christian or if you're sitting here and you don't know the Lord. You're not sure you know the Lord. The single most important question, even if you're a Christian, that God is going to ask you when you, if, if, you're, if you're a Christian and you walk into heaven, he's going to say the same question as the non-Christian. What did you do with my son? So if you're a non-Christian, he's going to ask you that question. What did you do with Jesus? And if you're a Christian, he's going to say, what did you do with my son? Oh, I let him save me. What did you do with my son? What did you do with my son? And, and I want to win the Super Bowl. I, I, I want to say, Lord, I cared for people who were different than me. I loved people that were hard to love. I shared with people who are much smarter than me and they have more answers than me, but I at least opened my mouth and tried. I want to say all those things. I want you to say all those things. I want this church to say all those things. What did you do with my son? Are you preoccupied with him? Or any of those other good activities that I threw out there? Let's pray. Father God, I think your Holy Spirit has made it clear and we recognize that there are some areas you're speaking to us where we can honor you more by how we live. We recognize those, Lord. And Father, not only do I recognize within my own self, and I believe my friends here have, but Lord, we want to repent because that's what you called us to. We, nothing changes if we don't bring it to you and recognize that it's missing the mark. So God, I, I come before you for myself and my friends and we recognize that we have been preoccupied with some good things, just not your best, just not your motivating factor. Lord, we recognize we've been preoccupied with our jobs and careers. We've been preoccupied with what we don't have, so we put more effort there. We've been preoccupied with our disappointments. And to some, Lord, that's led to depression. Seems like, Lord, we've been preoccupied with everything but you. 
And so, Lord, it is our heart's desire to respond to your prompting. Not to come to church, but to be this thing you've called us to be. Your church. Your body. Doing our part. If we're a finger, we're doing our part. If we're a liver, we're doing our part. If we're a foot, we're doing our part. So Lord, we love you and we want to tell you we want to be all in. Just like those Super Bowl teams, the teams that actually made it to the Super Bowl, God, they had a passion to do it. We want a passion for you. They had a heart to change and do what was necessary to win. We want to do that for you. They had a heart of unity. Oh God, may the people of freedom be unified according to your purposes. Lord, what a privilege that you would choose to adopt us while knowing us completely. <laughs> You've adopted us. You love us. So I'm just asking you to, to join me in this prayer right now. And lay before God that thing that you place in front of him. Just lay it before him. You know what it is. Work, school, family activities. Tell him what you've done and tell him you desire to turn away and, and, and call important what he calls important. Ask him to give you a heart of compassion for others. Ask him to use you. Father, you've heard our prayers. Everybody has sat there and they've communicated with you. They've engaged with you, Almighty One. And Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would fall in this room or online, whoever's watching. Father, that we would be able to engage with you according to the truth. And that we would turn from our ways and follow after you. That we would care about the people that are far from you. Or make-believers. Maybe we don't even know if they're believers, but they're make-believers. Father, I pray that you give us a heart to collectively move your church forward. Now, for those of you that can, I'm going to ask you to pray one simple sentence. I'm going to tell you the sentence ahead of time so you don't, you don't just say it. I just want you to pray one simple sentence, if you can, out loud. And the sentence is, God, I'm all in. If you can pray that prayer, then say it with me. God, I'm all in. 
And so, Lord, I ask that you would undergird this prayer that those that prayed it out loud prayed. That you would give them the faith to walk it out. That you would give them the humility to walk it out. That you would give them the power to walk it out. You've already given them the authority because of your blood, O oh Lord Jesus. You've given them the authority now, O oh Mighty One. Help them do that and help them start even today. In Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. 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 Okay, that's, a, that's part one of a vision for the church. So uh, I hope that uh, you take that, you use it. Um, how many of you are going to watch the Super Bowl? For those that are going to watch the Super Bowl, I'm going to give you your first challenge. Invite somebody over. Invite somebody. Invite somebody over. Who knows what will happen? Invite somebody over. Okay? Okay, God bless you guys. If there's anything going on in your heart that we can pray for you, please come forward and we'll be glad to do that. Otherwise, you're dismissed and uh, have an incredible day.